Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to CFB on Fox's Spaces. He is Fox Sports NFL and gambling analyst Jeff Sports. I am Fox Sports National College football analyst and host of the number one college football show, RJ Young. And we're going to get you set for this week two preview of Games on Tap brought to you by Wendy's. And I got to say for myself, I had the bacon cheeseburger. I had the large fries. I had the spicy nuggets. And I am full and satiated. Jeff. How you feeling, man? I am good. I am actually out of town, but my children and my wife decided that Wendy's was going to there be their dinner tonight, which was a great option for them. And my kids love cheeseburgers, man. It was fantastic. Uh, one had bacon off, one had bacon on, though. One's like not a bacon kid. My daughter's the bacon kid, RJ. She loves bacon, so she's very happy. To, yeah, eat it anytime she can. So she uh, she was all about it. My mouth is agape because that means that Jeff daughter and i should hang out and eat bacon that's what i heard just now she will ask for just for bacon sometimes some mornings like i just want bacon Good for that you. is that is a child after my own heart she's probably <laughs> all in on the bacon for the 11 a.m central big noon kickoff that is alabama at texas biggest game on the schedule this weekend set the table here for just a little bit nick saban is going to face steve sarkeesian who was his offensive coordinator a couple seasons ago which means that we have another Saban assistant who's going to try to beat him. But Saban is 25 and two all time against his former assistants. Both of those losses came last season. One to Jimbo Fisher against Texas A&M when they were unranked in a shocker. And the other against Kirby Smart in the national championship game for which Georgia is the defending national champion. Now, my question for you, Jeff, is can Texas be the first team since 2007 to knock off Alabama as a non-conference foe and unranked in the regular season? I mean, I guess it can happen, RJ, but will it happen? No. Um, Look, I think we saw this past weekend that there is just such a big talent gap between Alabama, Georgia, and the rest of the country, right? Um, We we know the blue chip ratio is a thing, right? I mean, we we know that Alabama, I think, is 89%. Georgia's 80%. But – their players are just even better than that. I mean, like they're just better football players and yeah, Sark has, has recruited well. Um, they, they're building something at Texas, I believe, but they're not good enough to compete with Alabama for four quarters. Maybe for a little bit of time, maybe to start out early in that game, it's going to be hot. The fans will be into it, but we're talking about over 16 minutes, a Nick Saban team that's been preparing for this game. all awesome. They, they've been preparing for Utah state, but probably not as much as, Texas, like I, especially after losing Jimbo last year, 
I think he doesn't want to lose to another assistant. I, I just don't think Texas has the horses. Now, can they cover the 17 or 21 points? Possibly. But winning this game outright, I just don't see it. It's an interesting proposition for me because I think that Texas is very talented. Are they as talented as Alabama? Absolutely not. To Jeff's point about the blue chip ratio, this is the number of four and five stars on scholarship on your roster with the thought being that at least 60% of your roster needs to be four or five star players to win the national championship just off the jump, which makes, I think, a larger point that I am very interested in which is that if my Jimmys are better than your Joes, it doesn't matter what we're running. It doesn't matter how good a coach you are. I have better players than you, so we will win. And Vegas seems to think the same thing. As a matter of fact, when I looked at Fox Bet this morning, Jeff, there were a three-touchdown favorite, Alabama, going to the 40 acres. Do you think that spread is too large? Um, No, probably not for now. I mean, I, I do think early in this game, Texas will be able to keep it close just because of everything I mentioned, right? It's an early kickoff. It's going to be super hot. Um, but I think in the end, right, the kind of the talent gap wears on teams. And I do think that Nick Saban wants to make a statement in this game. Again, they, they've talked about this assistant thing for a long time now. Um, I know he pretends it's not a real thing, but he acts like it is, I, in my opinion, in these moments. I think that they want – he would like to stick it to Texas. Again, because of Jimbo Fisher last year. Like, he finally lost to an assistant. Then he lost to Kirby Smart, by the way, in the, in the title game. Like, I feel like – He's going to make sure that there is no doubt here. They're, they're the better football team. Also, again, you use this opportunity to recruit in the state of Texas. I mean, he doesn't need it, but use another opportunity to say, hey, look what we did at Texas this year. Um, I, I just, RJ, you tell me, where does Texas have an advantage in this game? Running back? That maybe that's it. And that to me is doesn't scream like we're going to keep this game close. It's actually a great way to look at this game is where the matchups are. Are they favorable anywhere on the football field for Texas? And I think at running back, they it is favorable. We're talking about B. John Robinson, who had 1,127 rush yards last year and became the 10th straight 1,000-yard rusher under Steve Sarkeesian at one point or another. I also think that with talent at quarterback, they're pretty similar. Now, that's going to catch a lot of hell, and I understand why. Bryce Young is the reigning Heisman Trophy winner on a team that played in the national championship and the defending SEC champ. But I genuinely believe that Quinn Ewers is on par with Bryce Young in as far as his ability to make plays. And they didn't show a whole lot against Louisiana Monroe, though he did throw for 225 pass yards, which is the third most since 1954 freshman starting their season opener at Texas and trailing just Shea Morans with 347 in 1993 and Shane Bouchelle, who went for 280 in 2016. But I think more to your point, it's the defense for Texas that is worrying, right? This is a defense that had a very difficult time keeping the lid on, giving up over 450 yards of offense last year in Pete Kwiatkowski's first season as defense coordinator after building a really great reputation as defense coordinator or co-defense coordinator at Washington. If you can keep your offense in the game. I think that the offense is going to find its rhythm and have an opportunity to take some shots against an Alabama defense that frankly is pretty good. But also, I would be curious to know your thoughts on this, Jeff. Steve Sarkeesian knows what Pete Golding wants to do because they're on the same staff. They won a national championship together. Do you think it matters that either coordinator is familiar with their schemes? And I'm making Steve Sarkeesian a coordinator for the yeah. purpose of this discussion. I mean, it, it mattered on Saturday in Atlanta 
mm. obviously that one side knew the other side a little bit better. But, you know, you have a true freshman uh, left tackle playing significant reps for Texas. I, I think Bates is playing at left tackle against Will freaking Anderson. Like, you might know as much as you know about scheme, but sometimes your dudes have to win one-on-one matchups. And I think Bates is going to be, you know, he's going to have his handful. Now, I think he's on the other side where Anderson mostly rushes. But the point is that, like, you, you can scheme up these things all you want. But sometimes, again, I go back to the better players thing, right? Like, if you have better players, the scheme thing can only last so long, which is why I think Texas keeps this game close early on. But eventually, when you have to kind of get out of that first 15 plays and you start getting those third and long situations, which, I mean, Alabama's a sell to stop the run and say, look, Quinn Ewers, you beat us on third and long. You, you know, you, you make that happen. Over the course of the game, that'll be a concern. And again, is Texas defense going to stop Alabama at all? I mean, you have to think if Bama puts up 35 points, let's say, do you expect Texas to also put up in the 30s against Alabama to keep this game close? I would think probably not. I actually think that's the kind of game that Texas has to play to win. I think you're going to have to try to outscore them, right? Like, to your point, though, also, Kelvin Banks is going to have to put up the best game of his entire life, uh, putting full stop because he's a freshman, <laughs> right? Against Will Anderson. True freshman. We, right, true true freshman. freshman, right? Yes. Who we all know of Will Anderson by this time this year, right? We're talking about 34 and a half tackles for loss, 17 and a half sacks last year, and what I think is the best defender with an opportunity to win the Heisman Trophy this year. Going to be a big game in Texas, and I can't wait to see how this goes and what this sets up for the future, because as many of you will know, this will be a future SEC matchup. We don't know exactly when, but we know that it will be by 2025, one that gets into the rotation, which leads me into what I think is the second biggest game of the weekend. Number 20, Texas versus, or I should say at, Number 12, Florida, playing at the Swamp. This is a big game for Florida, Kentucky. but also for Kentucky. You said what? Texas. Kentucky. Kentucky. I said Texas? Yes. I'm so yes. sorry. It's okay. Kentucky. Kentucky. It's okay. Thank you. Um, you can see where my brain still is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, dude, I got to say, man, I, I I didn't doubt Anthony Richardson, but I just didn't realize that how talented he was. I mean, dude can ball, man. Like, he is and, – and here's the thing about it, like – I know people will say, well, he's not good enough to be a top 10 pick. Hell yeah, he is. It doesn't matter if you're that like good in college. Do you have the goods? Do you have the size? Check, right? Do you have the, the athletic ability? Check. Do you have the arm strength? Check. Like, all the boxes are checked off with this guy, right? He's going to be the best player on the field in most games. And, and I think Florida still has work to do on defense. Utah was able to drive the ball up and down the field as much as they wanted. Look, Utah had had two opportunities in the, in the second half, first and goal, but didn't score. Not going to happen very often. I mean, Kentucky, I would imagine, is going to put the ball in the end zone first and goal, at least one of the times, right? Utah wasn't able to do that. And look, in the end, Anthony Richardson puts Florida ahead, and Utah goes 90 yards in the swamp to go down the four-yard line. Like, there are concerns on Florida's defensive side, I think, that Anthony Richardson can't make up in a game against Kentucky. I think Kentucky right now is probably slightly better, R.J., um, but I know Florida's feeling good about where they are. I just think the win against Utah hid some of the flaws this team has as Napier kind of overhauls the roster and gets the team going in his direction. But I do like, and he had this at Louisiana, that physicality up front, right? Like they they can, they're a physical unit on offense, and you'll always kind of be in a game if you have that, you know, those type of players on your team. 
I think you're right about Anthony Richardson, and I think you're right about Florida feeling good about themselves and kind of sort of playing with house money, but not really. And I'm going to walk that out here. First thing is Anthony Richardson goes from what you and I both thought was maybe an iffy quarterback, an iffy starter for Billy Napier with Jack Miller perhaps closer than we thought to being what has to be a Heisman candidate after last year, knowing what he was able to do against Utah and some of the plays that he was able to make with his feet, but also extending plays. Excited to see what AR looks like against a Mark Stoops defense. But also to that point, big game for Kentucky. They have not beaten Florida in back-to-back years since 1976 and 1977. And this has a really big, or this is a really big game for Mark Stoops, who could become winning his coach at Kentucky ahead of Paul Bear Bryant with a win at Florida with Will Levis, another guy many people think could be a first-round quarterback in the 2023 draft. I guess my question for you is, which one of those guys absolutely has to play the better game for his team to win, Will Levis or Anthony Richardson? I think on the road, it's got to be the, the road quarterback, right? Like in a matchup like this. I mean, you look again, what, what Cam Rising was able to do, he played well enough, but then he didn't in the end, right? The only turnover of the game was down the four-yard line. So to me, it, it does come down to, to Will Levis playing that game because he doesn't have the physical tools that Richardson has to make plays out of, out of nothing sometimes. And so I think you have to have kind of more control in the offense as we're seeing here uh, on the screen here as we're zooming this, like, I mean, that play, that two-point conversion play was incredible. I mean, Will Levis doesn't have that in him. So I think to me, it, it does come down to him. But I, I want to backtrack a tiny bit on Florida here. Like, to me, the win against Utah, though, does put them in some unrealistic expectations category, right? I feel like if they lost to Utah, you're looking at this game this weekend going, okay, yeah, they, they play well against Utah. Kentucky's probably going to beat them, right? But now you go into it thinking like, Oh, and maybe the other nine-win team. We're talking about nine. You know, if 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 if, a, if Utah lose to a nine-win Florida team, are they a playoff? I feel like Florida's quarterback-wise there, but the rest of the team is not, in my opinion, at the level of nine wins yet. And so this weekend will be very interesting to see a very solid Kentucky team that go in the swamp and pull this one out. I think you're on to something in as far as the expectations because they go from unranked to number twelve, which is a dramatic leap in the Associated Press rankings. But I also think that a lot of people want to remember what Florida was like circa 2007, which is also interesting because this is the last time that we got to talk about a Florida team being ranked going in to play Kentucky at home, which I thought was kind of wild when I had to go double-check that in the notes to make sure that was on uh, that was on target. But I also think this is interesting from one more standpoint, going back to Georgia and a team that plays for an SEC and or national title, depending on how good you think that last year's or last week's team was. Do you think the winner of this game, Florida and Kentucky, is the presumptive challenger to Georgia in the SEC East? I mean, no, no one's challenging Georgia in the (laughs) SEC East. Um, Oregon's not a bad team. They played bad this weekend. I mean, I think that, look, with Georgia, right, like the question was Stetson Bennett. And, and I think defensively, they're not as good as last year. Obviously, they lost seven starters. I think we, there were actually opportunities for Oregon, and they did move the ball well, considering that they had a quarterback that kept turning the ball over. Um, but Stetson Bennett, man, if that's what this offense is going to be, and, and there were there were you know, reporters that covered this team that talked about how this offense was just different, the, the, the formations, the motions, the shifts, and if they're kind of – progressing their offense into something else no you're not you, no one's beating this team this season except Alabama possibly and even then I think Georgia might be better right now 
Perhaps it's thinking a little too far out in advance to think that maybe Florida turns this into a game at the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. But apparently my man Jeff is all in on Georgia and it's their world and we're living in it. And after what I saw against what I still think is a decent Oregon team too. Yeah, that's probably correct. Uh, I want to move on to the last ranked matchup that we have on the docket this weekend. That would be number nine Baylor at number 21 BYU. This is an interesting game for me for a number of different reasons, but off the top, it's about defense for the Baylor Bears. Under Dave Aranda, the Bears are 8-0 and when allowing 20 points or fewer and 7-9 and in all other scenarios. Do you think it is as simple as can BYU get to 21 points or can Baylor keep them underneath 20? Um, it might be that simple. I mean, you look at what happened last year, you know, Baylor rushed for 300 yards. I mean, like, so they, they're going to come to this game thinking that they, that they can do the same thing. But I was, I don't know about you, man, I, a 50 burger for BYU in week one, man. I was very impressed with that. I just didn't think they had that in them. And um, you have to think that obviously returning quarterback and, and, and returning production played, played a big role in that. And they have to feel pretty good about what they can do offensively heading into this weekend. Um, and if, if they get out of this game with, 24 28 points um they that might be enough to win so i, I do think it's important that, that you know baylor shut them down but byu i, I was surprised man that they, they're they their offense put up way more production than i thought they would in week one my note going into my top 25 rankings we put up on sunday was this is who byu is now if you're unprepared because going into last week's game against south florida they were a 12-point favorite, and I thought that was easy money. Turned out BYU was listening to me and paid off on a bunch of bets, 50-21. to 21. No, I did not see a 50-burger, but this is a team underneath Kalani Sataki that is putting up double-digit wins and, yeah. quite frankly, was 5-0 and against the Pac-12 last year and probably you wins that conference. There, right? you, you had to go there this early <laughs> in the podcast and in the, in, the, in the spaces. Like, I already have – I, we have to spend all week talking about the Pac-12 not being a playoff team. And you need to bring up last year and BYU just stabbing us all in the heart as much as possible. Hey, you got an opportunity to avenge that, what, in a week's time, yes? Yeah, let's let's beat Eastern Washington first, buddy. Let's, <laughs> let's get to that first. But uh, look, I, I actually think kind of the, the, the moral of every BYU story to me is that Kalani Sataki does not get enough attention for how good of a job he's done there. Correct. Um, and I think that obviously there's loyalty to BYU uh, on his side, but he could be a, a coach at many places and win a lot of football games that are not BYU. Um, and they're a they're a well prepared team. They're a physical team which carries each and every week. And yeah, offensively with Hall back, they're better this season. Um, and obviously you have to stop the Baylor rushing attack, which they were not able to do last year. So that'd be a lot of focus this weekend. It's hard to play in Provo, man. It's hard to play those those uh, those sober fans, man. They get loud and they get, they get raucous and and uh, they they get the, they're very polite, but it gets loud in Provo. Hey, man, uh, big Wendy's Town Provo is what he's saying there. Jaron Hall, to your point though, went twenty five of thirty two for two sixty one with two TDs and an INT, and then they found another tailback at BYU. This oh, in the form of Christopher Brooks, who had thirteen carries for one hundred thirty five yards against. South Florida last week. They're going to bring an offense to this game. I also think this is interesting because Jeff Grimes is the offensive coordinator at Baylor. Many of you will note that Jeff Grimes was offensive coordinator at BYU just a couple of years ago. Yeah. So he has some knowledge, and I love it when these coordinators overlap with teams that they were recently a part of. We talked about Steve Sarkeesian, Nick Saban. 
here a little bit earlier. Again, I wonder just what this game is going to mean for Baylor if yeah. they win it. Because do you think that either one of these teams can make the college football playoff if they were able to run the table? And that would mean getting this win. Oh, Baylor, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at, you know, they're, they're in a conference as of right now. I think that matters a lot to, to your success, right? Uh, especially if they end up beating Oklahoma, which I think Oklahoma is kind of serially a little bit underrated at the moment. So, yes, I think that if Baylor wins this game, it's a, it's a great road uh, road win that will be looked at uh, on a positive level if you know come playoff time. Last big game on the docket for you and me, big guy, Iowa State at Iowa. I catch a lot of hell because I still think that Iowa is a top 25 team. Despite scoring seven points the hard way, that would mean a field goal and two safeties in a (laughs) seven to three victory against South Dakota state. Now you'll say South Dakota state's an FCS team. And I will say South Dakota state is the number three FCS team. It's a good football team. Knowing what you know about Iowa football, and that Iowa State has been really good by anybody's standards in the Matt Campbell era. What are you looking for in this Big 12, Big 10, intrastate rivalry game? I mean, if Iowa scores, this is a stretch, 21 points, they probably win this game. Um, Iowa State lost a lot of production off a team last year that wasn't as good as they wanted it to be, but they lost a quarterback, a running back, offensive lineman, a wide receiver. Um, and, and look, you might, you know, it's definitely fair to mock Iowa offensively, but defensively, they continue to be outstanding. And so I think for, for them, it's about, can we just score enough points? And I don't know, what, what is the total set at? It's got to be like at 45, right? I mean, there's no way this total is set any higher than 45. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a defensive struggle. And I think Iowa, in the end, will, will come out on top because defensively, they're just, I think, better than Iowa State. And it's going to be like, 10 to seven. I, I just, I can't imagine Iowa's offense going to be that bad again this weekend. They'll do enough. I'm, I'm trying to find the total of this game. I got to imagine it's near 45, right? 42, 45, somewhere around there. I mean, that's pretty the low, almost the lowest you get that, you know, that, that's when the Academy schools play each other. They get like 42 as a, as a, uh, as a, as a, as a total. So um, I can't imagine that this one is going to be, um, you know, uh, uh, a, a lot of points, but again, I, I think it's going to be, it's always is it's 41 and a half. Yeah, it was close. 41 and a half. Um, it's got the owner's gonna be pounding this game too. Oh, a ton of money in the under. I mean, <laughs> like, think about this it's 41 and a half, right? So, like, you're looking at 21 to 20 in a college football game, which is like not often you see that, RJ, in 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 a in a game like this. So, you just don't 21 20 is in a score that in this day and age you don't see very often in college football. I think that if you're ever going to see that score in a game in this sport, it would be Iowa, Iowa State. Yes, also certainly. <laughs> I also would add in there that the Hawkeyes have gotten used to winning this game. They've won the last six in a row in the Cyhawks series, and it's their longest streak that they've had in the series. Uh, over 15 games they won from 1983 to 1997. But also, it's not as if the Cyclones are showing up without an offense. I know that they lost a lot. Right. But they had a guy in Hunter Deckers who can sling it. He went for 293 in his first start, 25 of 31 against Southeast Missouri State. But that's still 25 of 31 for 293 are good numbers. And I think they have the best edge dude that nobody talks about in Will McDonald, the fourth. He had, I believe, 10 and a half sacks last year. They run a really interesting scheme defensively, which looks like a 335, but they do a great job of keeping everything in front of them. 
and tackling it. Problem with that is you're playing an Iowa team that doesn't much care to throw the ball. They only want to be able to run the ball and then put the defense back on the field. So I'm inclined to be with, I guess, where the money's going on this and just bet the under. And I yeah. think that I was going to show more than they showed against South Dakota State because I think it's a fluke. But you're obviously going to have to put together something like an offense to beat Iowa State. I mean, it can't be any worse. Put it like that, right? I mean, <laughs> you're, you have three offensive points. You have two safeties in this game. So you can't be any worse. And I feel like you'll get that out of your system in week one. And, and again, we, we've mocked Iowa's offense in the past, and I think rightfully so, but, you know, they can put up 21 points in this game. And they can absolutely stop you scoring, and I think you got to be able to do that second one more than the yes. first one to win most college football games. All right. That is going to do it for this college football on Fox Spaces, brought to you by Wendy's. For Jeff Schwartz and the entire crew at Fox Sports, I'm RJ Young. We will see y'all next week, same place, same time. Have a good night, everybody.